power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. close your eyes, begin to thank God for your life, thank him for his mercies we just sang about God's mercies just thank him thank him for his mercies thank him for his grace that is sufficient for you, for his strength that is made perfect even in the times of your weakness just lift up your voice just one power one purpose to know you more and more when I know you I'll find peace just one passion one
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the grace and the privilege to know you. Thank you for the grace and privilege to call you Father. Today we ask that you open the heavens. Let the entrance of the word come forth with power. In Jesus' name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord. Oh, I can't hear your clap. I can't hear your clap. I can't hear your clap. Hallelujah. 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 All right. We bless God for this morning. How many of you are happy to be in church? All right. It is a good thing to be in church. Amen. All right. So today I'm going to share with you a, a short word. I was planning not to preach until fire early, but as we have extra time, I think I can preach small and go on a break after a while. Amen. Um, there's a part of me that is a bit excited about the postponement because when I see such things, I know God is up to something. Hallelujah. Aha. When you see opposition in certain areas, I've, I've been in ministry for a while and Sometimes when I don't see certain things, I even get worried. <laughs> I'm sure I've told you this story before. The, the very, very first fire rally we had in Kolebu here, that was in 2011. That day, I went to the venue for the setup and everything. We were setting up. And I got a call from my wife that she was like, come, 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 come home. And when you are coming, please bring people because there's a big animal in the bathroom. In fact, it was an alligator. After Nami, I don't know how that thing got into the bathroom. And that time, Ni was small. He was, I think, two years or so. And Na was in the womb. And they were the only ones at home. How that thing got into the bathroom. But that was a human alligator or a spiritual alligator. You couldn't wicked it. <laughs> We killed it well, well, hallelujah. The next morning, I had gone somewhere. I was driving and suddenly another alligator crossed my car. It's not like I was seen in the spirit, physical. I didn't see an alligator in my life before. One, within 24 hours, I've seen two. One dead, another inside the bush. <laughs> you know, so... I, when I see certain things, I know I know God is about to move. Hallelujah. God is about to move. And I think it, it makes sense for us to allow them to finish their renovations and everything so that we don't go and blow our speakers. And we can say, oh, generator, this, 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 those things. We just come and blow, blow your things and spoil it for you. So let's wait for them. More time to pray. More time to for the choir to sharpen their harmony. More time for publicity. And I know we are going to have an extraordinary program. Hallelujah. All right. It's a good place to clap. It's a good place to clap. It's a good place to clap. All right. And so this morning, I have a brief word for you. Let me introduce the, the sermon before I give you the topic. All right. You see, when it comes to dealing with God, there's a way in which you can misunderstand the ways of God and assume things for God. Hallelujah. A lot of believers are disappointed in God. A lot of believers are, uh, they, they feel like, oh, 
certain things didn't happen the way I expected them to happen. And it's all because we have a set mind. We have a certain way we are thinking in terms of how God operates and how God does his things. You see, there's a way in which you can over-spiritualize things. There's a way in which you can over-spiritualize things. That is a problem. And the other extreme too is a problem where everything must make sense and everything is about one plus one must be two. So if living fully by logic and calculation and planning, living fully by that is wrong and also being overly spiritual is wrong, then the middle ground must be the best place to be. Hallelujah. So you can be godly and spiritual about things and then you can also be pragmatic about things. I looked for the definition of the word pragmatic. It sounds like a big word, but it's not a big word. The word pragmatic means dealing with things sensibly. Say sensibly. And realistically in a way that is based on practical rather than theoretical considerations. So I'll go over the definition for pragmatic again. Dealing with things sensibly and realistically in a way that is based on practical rather than theoretical considerations. So you can, you can be at that place where you are extremely pragmatic and you can be at that place where you are extremely spiritual. Hallelujah. So when you want to hear from God, you, you expect to definitely see a vision. You see, there, there are a lot of believers, things happen in their lives, but they don't see them as testimonies because they don't see the hand of God in them. We think if God must move, then it always has to be superfluous and super fantastic. So sometimes when people give certain testimonies, they say, ah, we are a testimony. This one is a testimony. You expect that if there's going to be a testimony, then I could not see, and now I can see. Aha, then that one, yeah, 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 God is inside. I was a cripple, and now I can walk. This church, I don't see any blind person. I don't see any cripple. That means we will not have testimony. If that's the kind of testimony, why, why don't you become a cripple? And why, who should be the cripple and who should be the blind person? For God to heal them, for you to see that God is at work. Hallelujah. There are little, little things God does in our life and God is in them. But we don't see because in our minds, God must work in a certain way. Today, I want to show you and prove to you from the Bible that as much as God works through very spiritual means, he also works by pragmatic means. Hallelujah. So the title of my sermon is The Need for Godly Pragmatism. The need for godly pragmatism. Hallelujah. We, we are missing a lot of the works of God and the workings of God because we feel if we are spiritual, it means we must throw away our minds. We must not think again. So if you are thinking about the thing, if you are planning, if you are calculating, then it means God cannot be in it. But I'll show you that God has not thrown away his mind. He got himself. The prophets in the Bible talk about bringing you the mind of God. Say the mind of God. You see, God is totally a spirit. Fully spirit. You, you are not yet fully spirit. You are just spiritual. 
So if he who is fully spirit hasn't thrown away his mind and he's still thinking and he's still planning, then you that you are just spiritual and not fully spirit, you don't have an excuse not to use your head. When we look at the story of creation, we only see let there be light. Bah, and there was light. Aha, that is power. But we don't know there was planning inside. When we read Proverbs, it says, by wisdom, he established the foundations of the earth and by understanding. God is still thinking. There is a reason why he didn't come and say, let there be trees first. You see, the Bible described the earth as being a place confused, like basa basa, things upside down. Just like somebody's room. It's not you. That person didn't come to church today. Like somebody's room. So that person's room is upside down, basa basa, and on top of it, there is darkness in the place. And so, if you want to put such a room in order, you don't go inside the darkness and go and start laying the bed. By the time the light comes on, you realize you probably put two bed sheets on the bed, and so the the most logical thing and the, the, the best thing for anybody who is a good planner to do is to put on the light first. And that is the reason why the first thing he did was let there be light. It's like he has entered a room that is chaotic and I'm coming to put this place in order. So let me switch on the light first. So God uses his head. You don't have an excuse not to think. Tell somebody you don't have an excuse not to think. Tell the person don't throw away your brain. Just because you are praying. Hallelujah. You see, as for prayer, we, we believe in the prayer and things like that. But some of the things you have prayed for, you haven't seen them happen because you have refused to be pragmatic about certain things. God has a way of combining the two nicely. You realize in certain situations that I'll show you in the Bible, God could have solved them purely spiritually. But he chose to use pragmatic means. Pragmatic means. Today I pray that God will speak to you and open your mind and open your understanding to another level. And if you accept this thing I'm coming to say, you realize that you receive more answers to prayer and the frequency with which you get offended with God will go down. Because, you see, there are some of the things he will solve them and answer them by purely spiritual means. And there are some too, he will answer them and solve them by pragmatic means. And there are some too that he will answer and solve them by a combination of the spiritual and the pragmatic. So you have to be at the place where your mind is open and your spirit is open enough to understand the ways of God, to see that no, as for this one, God's hand was on it. When you understand this, this sermon, your, your testimonies will be more. You will see the hand of God in things that you thought just happened anyhow. Just because pragmatic means were used to bring them into being. Let's look at the story of Jesus Christ when he was born. Let's look at Matthew, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. You see, we all know, I don't need to read the beginning. We all know that when Jesus was born, at a point Herod wanted to kill him. Alright? Herod wanted to kill him because he was afraid 
he had been told a king had been born and he was guarding his territory. So he wanted to kill Jesus Christ. And you know Jesus Christ is God, right? So this is a situation where God himself was in danger. Let's look at how he handled the matter. So Joseph was asleep. He said, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Hallelujah. So an angel brought a revelation. They didn't know this. They didn't know Herod was planning anything. But the angel brought a revelation. Something um, that could have only been revealed supernaturally. Because even the wise men who went, Herod didn't tell them, when you find him, come and tell me so that I can go and cut off his head. He said, so that I may go and worship him also. So I'm just trying to show you how God can combine the supernatural and the pragmatic to solve a problem. So he appeared to Joseph in a dream. I would expect this thing involves the king of kings and the lord of lords, the, the king of glory, the all-powerful God, omnipotent, omniscient. The assignment as at hand had the destiny of the entire earth at stake. If Herod had managed to kill Jesus Christ, the world and the earth as we know it now would not be the same. It was a very, very serious matter. So once an angel comes in, I would expect the angel to come to tell Joseph that yes, Herod wants to kill your child. But God has sent me to protect him. So be around. And angels, one of their duties is to protect. Angels can kill. In a place, one angel killed 70,000 people. In another place, he killed 185,000. One angel. So if God has sent one angel and somebody is threatening the life of God's son himself, you would expect that God can just send the angel. Go and finish Herod. And he's gone. Or he will say, God has sent me to you. I'm going to be around you. Just feel free and move around. Just feel confident that Amalekite, he cannot do anything to you. Hallelujah. But God didn't decide to operate by that way. He said what? Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. How can God be running away in the face of danger? How can the son of God be running away in the face of danger? Does it mean God was not in it? Does it mean God was not involved in it? God just chose by his sovereign will to solve this particular matter by pragmatic means. Hallelujah. And he didn't just take this decision in isolation. Let's just go back two verses. Verse 11. He had made the arrangements like he had planned everything already. Joseph and Mary were poor. I showed you the other time the evidence that they were poor. When Jesus was being dedicated, there was a specific amount or, or specific things they were supposed to give. And they couldn't afford. So they gave the amount or, or, or the alternative that was meant for poor people. If you go and read the law of, of, of that particular thing, there's no time for me to go through it in Leviticus. What they gave was what the poor people who can't afford the, 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 the actual thing gave. The fact that 
he was giving birth to in the manger is not the, the evidence that Jesus' parents were poor. Because they had money to pay for the hotel. They just went and the place was full. So that's not the evidence. It was what they presented at his dedication. When you go and look at the original law, that thing they presented was for the poor people. That was an alternative they made for the poor people. So they were poor. How were they going to fund a sudden trip not to just go abroad and go and see there and come back, but to go and live there? For how many years? We don't know. So in verse 11, he said, when they had come into the house, that is the wise men, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And they didn't just worship him. And they opened their treasures. They presented gifts unto him. Gold, frankincense, and may. This was just two verses ahead. God knew what he was doing. He was planning a comfortable escape for his son in the face of danger. Why did he have to go through all these if he could have just killed Herod or assigned an angel to protect him so that if the soldiers who were given the responsibility of killing the children came to the house they'll just slay them and then wait until Herod is either overthrown or he goes away I'm trying to show you that God also uses practical means he uses pragmatic means to solve problems there are times he combines the spiritual and the pragmatic so if your mind is solely on the spiritual and God is even trying to use pragmatic means to answer a prayer or to solve a problem you may not see it and you may not cooperate with God you pray for money, 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 money I don't know how you expect the money to come whether by some miraculous means your account will just be credited it can happen it can happen. That is the truth. It can happen. Receive it in Jesus' name. It can happen. I mean, there is no doubt. God can do that. But there's a reason why he won't do that very often. And I'll tell you. It's, an, it's, it's, it's based in economics. You see, if the money comes from nowhere, and it is money that is not already in the system, Anytime God gives you that money, He is weakening the city. He is creating inflation because you are increasing the supply of the city. You see, what determines the price is a, is a fraction. The denominator is the supply. As you are increasing the supply, you are reducing the value of the thing. That's why Bank of Ghana can't just get up and go and print. Ah, but there are a lot of projects they need to do, roads they need to build, uh, make and stuff like that. They can just go to Bank of Ghana, just print, print the money, let's use print, print, print. But they know if they continue to do it, in a year's time, one dollar will be hundred Ghana cities. Right now it's almost eight. It's going. That is why God will not put some strange money from somewhere into your account when you pray for money. He will do it, but he will do it in a yes moderated way so that you don't affect the economy hallelujah so god can answer that prayer but most likely what he is going to do is that it will be money that is already in the system and he will give you some wisdom and some direction to position yourself strategically for that money to come and meet you so he may give you a business idea he'll give you a problem to solve He'll give you favor so that you receive a promotion at your workplace which will come with a salary increase. 
So that is money that is already in the system and God is helping you to access it. He won't print new notes and place in your bank account. He may do it, but it will just be once in a while for you to see that he is the king of glory and that the thousand cattle on, on the hills are his. He will do it once in a while, but that will not be the main means by which he will bless you. Hallelujah. So if you are just praying, 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 God, give me money, God, give me money, God, give me money. what have you done about your situation? What have you planned? What, 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 what things have you put in place to ensure that your finances are not the same as it was 31st December? When we enter the new year 2023 what have you done tell somebody it's time to get pragmatic hallelujah look if let's say you want to avoid temptation for example temptation to sin and you say the only thing you do is pray i'll just pray i will just pray and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil lord deliver lord deliver lord deliver and you don't put in physical barriers and physical things practical things to ensure you are praying i burn the spirit of last burn the spirit of last look at you Meanwhile, you are going to his room at 11 p.m. And you are going to lie on his bed. All your prayers will come to naught. Zero. Complete zero. You need to be pragmatic about it. Put in the barriers. Make the rules. When you start a relationship, you don't only say, say, say we, we are not going to fornicate home. As for fornication, it must be far away from me. Yes, Jesus said, it's good. But put in the measures that we won't talk about certain things. You see, sometimes it's mere conversations that can open up the door to last. You just talk about certain things and then the time we realize we are looking at each other strangely. The prayer is good. But if you don't put the necessary means and the physical barriers in place, you will disappoint yourself. You disappoint yourself. Look, nobody believes in prayer more than me. I believe, I love prayer. And I know the power of prayer. But I know that after you have prayed too, sometimes there are some steps that you must take. Otherwise, your prayer will just be hanging in the air like that. May God give you the grace to take the necessary steps that you must take in order for the power in your prayer to be seen in the name of Jesus. So, clear case, God could have used purely spiritual means, but he said, run away. It looks like faithlessness, like, ah, God, you are powerful. Why are you using the, the means that we human beings will use? That is how God operates. It is by wisdom that He established the earth. Wisdom is what God hasn't thrown away His brain. When He says the thoughts that I have for you, it means He still thinks. So you can't throw away your head, you can't throw away your thinking just because oh, we are spiritual. 
So after you have prayed, after you have done the warfare, after you have done the binding and the losing, there are some things that you need to do. There are some steps that you need to take to ensure that that thing that you have prayed for comes to pass. You see, sometimes when we are overly spiritual, certain things that we can easily solve with common sense, we try to over-spiritualize it. You see, when the Bible says the just shall live by faith, it doesn't mean if the thing is there, you close your eyes as if it's not there. The elephant, big elephant is in the room. You say, no, 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 nothing is here. That's not faith, though. <laughs> That is, that, that is not faith. The faith we are talking about, that is not it. People have lost their lives foolishly. Sorry to use a harsh word. Simply because they have refused to acknowledge the elephant in the building. The alligator. <laughs> they have refused to. <laughs> if the symptoms are there you are shaking your head is aching you are sweating you know that this one a year plasmodium me I reserve faith is so powerful I reserve faith for the things that common sense cannot solve if I can solve the thing with common sense if I want to go and sit in my car right now I'll use common sense to walk out and go and sit in. I'll say by faith, my yira. And I open my eyes and I'm here missing my yira. I say I'm lost. Ah, that is not fair though. And unfortunately, that is what we are doing. Me, me and I'm missing my yira. If you can see me, it is your eyes. I'm gone. You know, I'm standing here, my car is empty. I'm not saying that is a formula, but for me, if the thing is there and I can just use common sense, oh, solve it, pa, 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 like that. Unless, of course, I'm using the common sense route and I sense in my spirit that that is not how God wants me to do it. People have felt certain symptoms and it's like, hey, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. Pastor Ender sent me a certain video a few days ago of a pastor. He was telling his congregation that oh, yesterday he felt some sharp pain in his chest. But then he, oh, so, 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 he ignored it. This is a, it was very severe pain. This a, as they were talking, uh, the pain came again. There was a chair by him. He sat there, put his head behind him. He was gone, dead. Maybe if he had done something about it, maybe he would have lived. Because that, that is something medicine could have solved. A simple ECG would have picked it up. Oh, there's this, 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 let's give you this, this, this. He would have probably lived some more years to continue the work that he was called to do. Let's not think when we depend on medical things, we are sinning and we don't have faith. You see, it's, it's a lie the devil has told us. You see, <laughs> if, if medicine was wrong, then every medical school is yes demonic and we are creating sinners there will be no difference between a medical school and a brothel because in both places sin is taking place hospitals must be must be places of sin 
Me, I won't teach you that. Hey, those of you, I say, don't take my, take it. Take the medicine. Hallelujah. Uh, it wasn't listed as one of the deeds of the flesh. If thou takest medicine made by the hands of men, you are in the flesh. If you have to take it, take it. Take it and add the prayer. And the prayer will augment the effect of the medicine. There are people who take drugs and the drugs don't work. Uh, but you, you take it, but because you add the prayer, it will work and even work faster. The one that should take three days for you to have uh, relief of your symptoms, you take it in three hours, it is gone. Because you added the spiritual and the pragmatic together. And that is how God does his thing sometimes. Hallelujah. Yes, divine healing is part of the... But if you happen to get sick, don't... Don't... Behave yourself. I'm not sick. I cannot be... The thing is there. Deal with it. Pray and take the medicine and let the thing go. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, I didn't see it anywhere in the Bible that Christians cannot get sick. I didn't see it anywhere. In fact, there's a scripture that even suggests. Let, let, you, let, me, let me give you the scripture. Let me give you the scripture. Let's read um, Matthew chapter 25. Let's start from verse 36. Matthew chapter 25. What, what is our relationship with Jesus? Those of us who are born again, what, what is our relationship with Jesus? What is he to us? What is he to us? God is our father. And Jesus is the son of God. So what does that mean? He's our big brother, right? He's a big bro. That is why it says we are heirs of the father and joint heirs with Christ. You are joint heirs with your, your brothers and sisters. All right. Jesus was telling his disciples something. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. He, Jesus. He didn't have clothes. And you clothed him. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Next verse. He said, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? Next verse. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Next verse. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came to you? So wait there. So we've talked about sick, naked, and then what? Prison. All right. Verse 40. And a king will answer, that is him, and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to what one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Are you catching what I want to tell you here? My brethren, brothers of Jesus can get sick and they will need to be visited. Brothers of Jesus can be there and they don't have clothes and they will need to be given clothes. Brothers of Jesus can go to prison. And they will need to be visited. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. What I'm saying, you can choose not to believe me. I'm telling you how I understand that scripture. Amen? Yeah. 
I'm not preaching an anti-faith message. Don't look at me some way. I'm not preaching an anti-faith message at all. No one believes in faith more than I do. <laughs> but sometimes when we misapply the thing called faith, we get disappointed in God. The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the good Lord delivers him from them all. He didn't promise us no afflictions. So sometimes the sickness may come in, but he will deliver you from it. The time of financial difficulty will come in when you don't have money to buy clothes and he will deliver you from it. Hallelujah. Yeah. So let's not demonize using pragmatic means to solve health problems. Unless you've heard it clearly from God, throw away your medicines. That one too can happen. Hallelujah. That one too can happen. Continue to take the medicine. Continue to pray. Continue to believe God until the day when everything gets solved. Amen. When the people of Israel were in the wilderness, these were millions of people gathered in one place. The probability of them having an outbreak of diseases was very, very, very high. Diseases could have wiped them away faster than the Amalekites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and whatever. Sicknesses. They had an angel guarding them wherever they went. There was a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. God could have chosen to just use spiritual means to protect them. But when you read the book of Leviticus, a lot of the laws that he gave them, you see, God made a certain statement. He said, if you obey these commandments, the diseases, those diseases will not come upon you. It wasn't just a spiritual commandment. A lot of the laws that he gave them were actually public health laws. Public health principles that were meant to keep them And to prevent them from dying before they got to the promised land. Practical, pragmatic means. Those days the germ theory hadn't been discovered. We didn't know pathogens. We didn't know viruses. We didn't know. All we saw was that they saw was that the person was sick. And you know there are some diseases that are spread through droplet infection. Like what? COVID. Leprosy is another one. True droplet. People think if you go and touch their hand, the, the cut fingers of the leopard, that is what will give you the leprosy. No, it is through droplet infection. Look at how God instructed them to deal with those that had leprosy. Let's read. No, it's not rapture. Let's read Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 13. Give me NIV for that one. Leviticus 13. Let's read from verse 45. Leviticus 13. You see, he had to create a way for those who had leprosy to be easily identified so that the thing would not spread. So it was talking about leprosy here. There's no time to read the previous, um, what do you call it, verses. It said, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkempt. And these ones are just meant for easy identification because you are infectious. All right. And now look at this one. We all know leprosy is spread through droplet infection. 
the gem theory hadn't been discovered by then. The gem theory actually came into being in the 19th century, 1850 to 1880, there about Louis Pasteur and then Robert Koch. The one we named uh, Koch's disease, that's tuberculosis after. They were the ones who actually established the gem theory. So nobody knew about gem theory then, but God in his own wisdom knew that this leprosy thing, it was through droplet infection. He said, the hair must be unkempt. He said, and then they must cover the lower part of his face and cry out unclean, unclean. Cover the lower part of his face. It's like this. That's all. Cover the lower part of your face. So if you wear face mask, it doesn't mean you don't have faith. Hallelujah. I know that some people who have all sorts of theories and but I mean, we can agree to disagree. God recommended covering the lower part of your face because he knew those people had a disease that could be spread to other people through droplet infections. Through droplets. And move on to the next verse. He said, as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. What is the medical term for that one? Isolation. And must live outside the camp. Quarantine. Who isolate you and quarantine you. So this is God talking. And he's using public health principles to solve their problems and to prevent them from dying in numbers. Why can't he just let the angel pour some dust be on them and say, this is my protection for you. As long as this dust is in the air, none of the sicknesses will get to you. So it means you pray for divine health. You pray that in the year 2022, God will keep you and keep you alive till 31st December. But the practical things you need to do to keep healthy too, you must do. You don't say because I've prayed, I eat anything, I... Some people say, watch it, no. The ones that are by, by the dirty goddess... Make sure you are also praying if you are going to eat that one. Hallelujah. They said that one is called two fingers. Two fingers. So as much as you have prayed, as much as oil has been poured upon you, the spiritual aspect is there. But don't be careless. Don't just do things by heart. You say you pray during the fasting and prayer that God should preserve you. So you are going to take a person's sample and you don't wear gloves. Uh, because the, the protection of the law is my portion. <laughs> you wear gloves. There's blood there. You are the one who has. You are a lagba You are a, a, a walking sterilizer. Because the fire of God 
It's very strong on you. No gloves. You take cutting wool. Oh, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, Juma, no. Yeah, yeah, Juma. We must save the country. The hospital is not for your father. <laughs> as much as you are praying, put in the physical measures. The things that need to be done for you to be healthy, do. Amen? Yeah. Because the problem is that sometimes we just look at things purely from the spiritual end. Let's read Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 12. God is not against using medicine. God is not against using medicine. Ezekiel 47 verse 12. He said, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. He said, Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for what? Healing. Most of the drugs we take are from plants. They are from plant sources. In the olden days, they would extract them as herbs and then they would drink. God instructed them to use the fruits for food and the leaves for healing. Another version actually says for medicine. God is not against taking medicine. He's not against taking medicine. As I said, pray and take the medicine as well. Because somebody will take that same medicine and it will not work. The demons in your house will build resistance. So you take, 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 take and it's not doing anything. But you, as you are taking the thing, the, the Holy Spirit is even adding to it. Can't the Holy Spirit just heal the disease? Yes. In the same way that God, God could have just killed Herod. And Jesus would have been free, but he decided to run away. However, God will use to solve the problem, allow him because he's sovereign. He decides how he's going to solve that. Don't sit there and predetermine for him. And that is why you are not seeing testimonies in the things in your life. You don't see God in it because you don't think God will use pragmatic ways. That employment that you got. You thought, oh, it was just a coincidence that you met somebody or, or, or you got a certain call. And you don't know what machinations God had done behind the scenes for that thing to come to pass. If we will open our minds to how God works in our lives, we'll give him glory all the time because we'll see his hand even in the smallest things that happen in our lives. It says use the leaves for medicine. So it's not wrong to take medicine. If it was wrong to take medicine, it would be wrong to prescribe medicine. Then most of us here, we are sinners. We should repent every day because we are sinning. But it's not a sin. Hallelujah. Let me show you one last scripture and then we close. 2 Kings chapter 20. Let's read from verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 20. I'm sure you all know the story of Hezekiah. When God told him to put his house in order because he was going to die. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. That means there was something wrong with him. He had a sickness. Near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. That's a serious prophecy to receive. Verse 2. He said, Then he turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Verse 3. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. Can you pray this prayer? <laughs> and have done what is good in your sight. Hey. 
Maybe that's his opinion. <laughs> and Hezekiah wept bitterly. You see, God is very fair. Let me tell you, God looks at certain reasons and he preserves some people. He looks at how useful you are to his kingdom. And he preserves you because of that. That is why it's good to make sure you are useful in the kingdom of God. You don't just warm the pew. Don't just sit and receive and go. Even if it is carrying speaker or sweeping, make sure you are useful in the house of God. Hallelujah. One day God may just look at that as a reason to preserve your life. If God came and said by heavenly council decree, the percentage of oxygen in the atmosphere is going to be reduced from 20% to 19%. So some people will die. What is that reason you give to God to keep you alive and prevent you from being among those people who are going to be killed? That one was not part of my sermon. <laughs> it said, remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse 4. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will heal you. Hallelujah. And God will heal you of any disease, anything that is in your body, anything that plagues you, God will heal you in the name of Jesus. And the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Now the third day is significant in this matter. Normally when God heals, you expect it to be instantaneous. Bam! No, everything is gone. But this healing was going to take three days. That's what we call a progressive miracle. And I've seen many of that. Sometimes you pray for somebody and you don't get the results immediately. Even Jesus, there was a time he had to pray twice for somebody. He prayed once. He said, I can see men as trees. What's the use of seeing men as trees? Are you a botanist? <laughs> like everything. Kareka papaya. <laughs> you know, giving botanical names to everybody. This healing was going to take three days. It wasn't going to be boom like that. Next verse. verse 6. And I will add to your days 15 years and I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the verse 7 is where I'm interested. He said, then Isaiah said, take a lamp of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. Now that means Hezekiah had a boil. For a boil to kill you, then it means it's probably become a septicemia of a sort. The infection has entered your bloodstream. Because normally just a, a far uncle should not kill you like that. So he had a boil. If God was going to heal him, God could have just spoken a word and the boil would have disappeared and he would have been strong immediately. But he said they should take a lamp of fig trees. In other versions, they actually mention an ointment. I've forgotten which version is. If you can get 
They said they should make the, the figs into an ointment. If I can get that version. Uh-huh. He said, make an ointment from the figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. God could have just decided, oh, the thing must just disappear, but he decided that I'll use a combination of the spiritual and the medical. And it took three days. And I read about figs. And I got to know that figs actually have the ability to bring down blood sugar. You know when people have diabetes, they are, they, are, they are predisposed to wounds that will not heal and boils and all of those things. Probably all he needed was for his sugar level to come down small so that the healing would take place. And even if that was done, you wouldn't expect that to happen in three days. But this is what the combination of the spiritual and the pragmatic can do. Something that probably should have taken three weeks. Something that probably should have taken three months. In three days, the man was up on his feet. So if you are taking drugs, don't think, it. pray over the drugs. And, and today I even declare over any drug that you are taking, whether it's for any, what do you call it, that, that the power of God will augment its strength. That what it's supposed to do, it will do it faster, it will do it stronger, it will do it in a more accurate manner than it's supposed to do under normal circumstances in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Three days, the thing was gone. It could have happened instantaneously, yes. But in this particular case, God decided to combine the pragmatic and the spiritual. I pray for you today that God will open your eyes to the need to be pragmatic in life. That as much as you are praying, as much as you are trusting God, as much as you are believing God, the steps that you need to take for the things that you want to see God do in your life come to pass, you will take those steps. If it is financial freedom you want, may God give you the grace to take those steps in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you are broke and you sit and you pray, you will continue to be broke. You can pray 24 hours. The heavens will be opened and all of that. You see, when God opens the heavens, it means it's coming to rain. If it rains and there are no plants in the ground, the rain is useless. So there must be something in the ground so that when God pours his rain upon it, it grows and you are going to have a harvest. But if you are praying and God is opening the heavens and you are not doing anything, you are, you are, you are not moving, you are not putting your hand to the plow, you are not engaging yourself in something, the way you are, that is the same way you are going to stay. You want that employment, you don't sit in your room and just pray. Put in the application. True, it can happen that God can let them employ you even when you have not written an application. But do what you are supposed to do. Hallelujah. Make the moves that you are supposed to make. If you've prayed, it doesn't mean if you go and speak to somebody that Charlie, can you put in a word for me? Some people think that way. That uh, Why have I prayed? But why, why should I go and speak to somebody? There are people who speak to people and nothing happens. But the Bible says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. So you speak to God and God will turn the heart of that king to let things go in your favor. So my final word to you is that pray when you have to pray. Plan when you have to plan. Have faith when you have to have faith. And be pragmatic when you have to be pragmatic. Because there is a lot of power in godly 
pragmatism. May God bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow!